Boom. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Comedian Bible Study, the show where I trick my favorite people into talking about my favorite thing, which is God. As always, behind the board is my man Channing. Say what up, Channing. What's up, fellas? Happy Friday. Happy, Happy Friday, Friday, brother. Friday. Well, and man, I gotta I can't wait to bring in my next guest, man. This dude right here. One of my favorite people in the world. He was on America's Got Talent. He was a finalist on Comedy Central's Roast Battle 2 War of the Words. And he was appeared, he's appeared on Nikki Glaze on not safe with Nikki Glazer and HBO's Green Light, my brother Jay Light. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we have a yeah. full studio yeah. audience. Studio audience. Today. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that crazy? This is great, bro. Thank you for being here, man. I thank appreciate you for having that. me. I'm happy to. T- I'm happy to talk about God. Yes, and, and everything else in between. I love it. Oh, dude, there's so much in between. Is so there? much in between. <laughs> so much in between us and God, man. I love it. As a, now, let me ask you, what's your theological stance as of this time, time in your life? I think the best way to sum up what I think theologically is uh, I would consider myself, I think the best way to say it is I would consider myself a deist. You're familiar oh, with that? Oh, okay. That's like... Um, so it's like there's a creator, like I know that there's creation, there's an intelligent design, mm-hmm. but not necessarily subscribing to a particular theology. Yeah, because I get, I mean, I grew up Christian yes. uh, in the South. I grew up mostly Presbyterian. There's a little Methodism in there, a right. little Catholicism in there. Um, I didn't really jive with Christianity by the end of my time growing up in Texas. Um, right. I would say... I would I wouldn't call myself an atheist for those years, but I was definitely more in the like agnostic kind of like spiritually seeking vein. Mm. Um, and then I, uh, as a sober person, I've yes. you know through twelve step recovery work, there is uh, a lot of encouragement to uh, have a relationship with a higher power, a God of your own understanding. Uh, and the way that I understand God is. Uh, I use it as sort of like a shorthand for everything that I can't explain. Right. And there's a whole lot that I can't explain. Dude. Yeah. So I think. Absolutely. Yeah. The idea of like deism being like God is like the watchmaker that like set everything in motion and then everything just kind of pans out. Right. Everything's goal driven in nature. You can look at uh, Mm -hmm. DNA as one thing. Like there's a message in DNA. Yeah. Some sort of. Yeah. And there's like, I can be, I'm somebody who's like. You can feel, I think, you're drawn to, like, the path that is in most align with, like, whatever God has set out for you. Right, right. And you can choose to not go that way. You can choose to follow the path of self-will. But I have found that following uh, the other way yeah. works out better for me. Oh, okay. that's the way. That's the way I think about it. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Usually, I like uh, I, I kind of stereotype everybody, and I guess pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Jay was like all about like like some Joel Osteen stuff, man. I just <laughs> oh, we shit. have that youth pastor, <laughs> so I, I didn't. Hopefully, my questions the Texas <laughs> connection. I yeah. Mean, yeah, listen, Joel. I grew up going to yeah. not exactly like the bit like Joel Osteen style mega churches, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I grew up around plenty of them. Yeah. The one, the churches that I went to were a little bit smaller. Right, they right, have right. since grown and have yeah, become yeah. fairly large, but yeah. I've never like, I've been to a few of those mega church Where? services yeah, and it's yeah. a real, like it's, it's, nuts <laughs> it's a lot like the just yeah. the, like the evangelical like southern yeah. baptist kind of vibe is really like it's something else oh yeah it's next level it's man it's funny to think about a small-time pastor th- like looking at his plight the same way a comic will be like like this small guy is like right. doing you know flappers 
Yeah. <laughs> the nightcap and all this shit. And he's looking at Joel Olstein like headlining Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and he's like, man, I got to get there. It's something. exactly like man, that. And when am I going to get my Pure right? Flix special? Yeah. My Pure Flix is not booking anybody. <laughs> is that Pure a real Flix? thing? That's, that's a real thing. Yeah, that's a real thing. There's that's Christian wow. Netflix. Pure, Pure Flix is a company. They uh, It's Christian Netflix. And they also take movies and edit out stuff that uh, is objectionable. So that way they can be played on for a family audience. Uh, on and Pure they Flix. do that with studio permission? No. Oh, wow. You do it with God's permission, homeboy. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I don't need no studio permission. You don't need Ted Sarandos Come on. when you got fucking God. Oh, sorry. I don't know I'm if I'm anointed, allowed to swear. baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's you talking about? But no, man. So, and I do want to get into this word, man. Hold on. Let me jump in here, man. But I do want, I'm going to get back to, to talking about But I, I appreciate you for choosing the word for today. And it's from the book of Philippians, from the New Living Trans. And now for those of you, not Filipinos. I had a pastor who used to say Filipino. It's not Filipinos. The book Filipinos. It's a book of Philippians. <laughs> I love Filipinos, but we're not talking about Filipinos right now. We're talking about the Philippians, okay? And we're in chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. And verse 12 reads, in New Living Translation, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Background. This is a letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a city of Greece named after King Philip, father of Alexander the Great. Paul is in a Roman prison at this point, and he is writing this letter and this chapter uh, and in this chapter he encourages displaying the humility of Christ esteeming others above oneself Jay why did you pick this passage so I chose this passage oh oh yeah divine intervention um I I was really looking you know my I, I grew up reading the Bible I, mean, I yes. was thinking my favorite book of the Bible when I was growing up is not uh, reflective of how I look at the world now necessarily, right. right? Like I loved reading the book of Revelations as a kid. Oh man. Because it's just exciting. There's <laughs> That's just so, scary. so much going on. <laughs> I thought church was boring and the right. book of Revelations was so exciting. Right, right, and I was right. like, I got something out of this. This man. is great. This is like a zombie apocalypse. Novel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Market of beast, all this stuff happening. Yeah. yeah. So then I was looking, I was like, all right, if we're if we're talking about sort of where I'm at now, right, right, spiritually, right. theologically, what reflects the way I have a relationship with God now? Right. And I looked um, into seeing how in uh, the, the, there's alignment between uh, ideals from 12-step recovery and from uh, the Bible. Yeah. And this, uh, this passage, specifically uh, uh, Philippians uh chapter 2 verse 13 really yeah. like lined up with um the way that i have developed a relationship with a higher power right. through that work so yeah. to me this really speaks to like 11th step work which is um uh seeking through prayer and meditation to yeah. maintain a conscious contact with god as we understand god now i see and i i wish i i didn't know that about you that you were in uh in AA, right? I'm sorry. 
Hey, hey? Uh, I've 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 got a couple different programs, but it's okay. all twelve step. Like it all comes step. from AA. Yeah, uh, the twelve steps of AA sort of form the basis for other twelve step recovery programs. If I'm digging too much, let me know. No, if no, I no, ask not too at many all. Questions. Yeah, like, that well, was the program I started out in, and yeah. I. Uh, but I. Uh, You're a very I, young I guy. Like when did the, like when did you know that I need this intervention in my was it is drinking? I'm assuming. Right? Yeah, that, that was my drug of choice was alcohol. Uh-huh. Um. I uh, sobered up just about eight years ago. It was uh, September tenth, twenty fifteen. Wow. Was my last uh, last drink I ever had. Right. right. Mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, I took a <laughs> shot at the comedy store. I think it was whiskey. It might have been tequila, okay. but it was on the patio. And it's a I good just, way to go out. It was a good way yeah. to go out. But I just done a show with a friend of mine. It was my last time getting drunk. My last time getting drunk was two days prior. It was Labor Day, mm. uh, and. I had already been that summer, had been on sort of a bender. And I was like, I gotta, maybe I gotta like cool it a little bit. Right. Um, and I remember <laughs> I'd, I'd been drinking like every day, nonstop. And the, the day of Labor Day, the I, more, I woke up that morning and I was like, all right, I'm not gonna drink before I go into work today. Right. This is when I still worked at the comedy store, so it's very easy to get drunk sure. on yeah. the job there. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I can, if I can hold off until I get to work, yeah. then I'm fine. And I could not hold off until I got to work. Yeah. I got to work. I started feeling sick. Uh, I got somebody to cover my shift. I had continued to drink, like, the whole time that this was all happening. Yeah. And then I went home, and then I, like, popped a, I had a, um, a PBR tall boy. Mm. Popped the tab on that. And then that was the moment I was like, oh, I don't I don't need this. Maybe okay. I should not do this. But it wasn't like you were beating people up or nothing like that or, or, or getting into I was, arguments. Or, oh, I was starting to get to that point. You were like that? I was starting to get to a point where I was the like relationships with getting into fights with people. Mm. Not physical fights, but like a lot of a lot of arguments. A lot of right. yelling. And at the comedy, because that's what I was going to say, because like, I assume every time I witnessed you at the, bless you, <laughs> at the, at the comedy store, I would like. I just felt like not to you know, not because your name is light, but you had this light about you that other guys seemed to have. They had a heaviness, right? And I remember being like, "Oh, Jay's pretty cool." And then I found you did improv and all that other stuff. So I was like, maybe that's it. That's why the assumptions are in my head that you were like, you know, just Christ following Christ. But it's. I was like, there's no way that could survive in that environment. <laughs> no, that would get beaten out of you real quick. <laughs> they just beat the light out mentally. of you, beat the Christ light out of you oh, in the yeah. comedy store. Yeah, it's a very dark and heavy place for those of you who, uh, you know, comics will probably know better, but even if you experience it as an audience member, sometimes you can probably feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so like you're, so that environment, do you think comedy itself made you get into the substance uh, abuse or do no. you blame some of that? I I would have uh, gotten into that without comedy. I mm. mean, I started... I didn't really do anything until I got to college. Okay. Um, I started like smoking weed when I was in high school. Right, right. Um, I didn't drink until I went to college. But then I was like, this is it was like it was like off to the races. It felt like I had uh, I had was was tapping into like the version of myself that I was like, oh, this is who I this is who I am. Right. I'm this guy. I'm this person who's like the life of the party. I can be this person. Um, and then. That just kind of like snowballed, right. and I think what really actually I found out was that I was not somebody who actually had an identity for myself right. outside of whatever I assumed other people wanted me to be. Right. So I would be like, 
I, I always say I'm so, in meetings, I'm like a chameleon. So I would like go to different groups of people, go to different parties, and be whatever I thought they needed me to be. Right. And that kind of behavior and thinking goes all the way back to like yeah. even before I started drinking yeah. and, and using any kind of drugs. Okay. So that was, it was really just like I did not know who I actually was. Even as you started comedy. So this is already behavior that you're having. Then you mm -hmm. start comedy after college. Uh, I started while I was in college. While you are in college. Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, like at that point I was I was coming at it from the point of a writer and right, not a performer. Right. right. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. And yeah. I uh, I think that as drinking became more and part of my life, it made it easier to do comedy because then I was like less inhibited. I was like, oh, I can, I can just be loose and cool. Right. And then when I stopped drinking, I was like, oh, I have uh, I have all this these walls that I've built up between me and an audience oh. that I have to like figure out how to break down again. Damn. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that extended to the outside world a little bit too, where I had like this wall shielding myself. That's as you're getting clean. You're saying like, I have, Oh, so, so it's mm -hmm. almost like you're starting over again. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're a new guy starting comedy. Mm -hmm. And I had to really examine like, who am I? Like, right. what do I value? What do mm -hmm. I care about? Am I, this kind of person am yeah. i this kind of am i somebody who who cares about certain things that maybe i think i didn't didn't yeah. try to care about for a long time or pretend that i didn't care about to try and seem cool right. am i a cool person at all or am i just a big dork am i yeah. a guy who's just like worried about coming off a certain kind of way and right. having that i think that lightness that you talk about right. i i think there was a long time where i was so worried especially in comedy because i was like very image conscious right. about how I was perceived mm. and I wanted to seem kind of cool and hard and not necessarily like, Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Hard? I right. thought that there was like a level. A hardness? I thought in com when I started doing comedy, I was like, Oh, you're not supposed to be friends with anybody. Right, you're supposed yeah. to just like focus on your, on your art and you're supposed to focus, yeah. focus on your craft and don't be friends with anybody else. Right. And then I like, I remember even North Carolina when I started out, there were people who would like, I'd go to open mics or shows and other comics would come up and like try and talk to me. And there was a while where I'd be like brushing them off and being uh, like, no, I no." And then they start to like, I don't talk to new comics, homeboy. Like I'm that, like, and that thing. Like <laughs> I was a new comic also. <laughs> so it's not helping at all. Right, right, right. But then like people started to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep talking to you even right. though you're being a jerk. Nice. All right. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to be friends with people. Right. And then moving to LA that it was just like, oh, I have to be a part of a community. Right. And I think once I had a better understanding through doing some 12 step work and seeking uh, and, and to understand a little bit more about how I operate and the kinds of things um, that drive me, yeah. then I was able to better understand who I am and how I could be myself right. in society. Now, are you more because I see you tap into an evil when you're doing roast battling, like I've seen you <laughs> kind of, and I was like, oh, that's always a cool little, because I was always like, oh, a nice Christian boy, mm -hmm. and then he gets on stage and he's like, says the most evil, mean stuff. Uh, when, and it, it walk us through that journey of, of, of the roast battle, kind of like, for those of you who don't know what it is, it started in the belly room, um, and there's all kind of iterations all over the country yeah. now, but uh, one of the, the way we understand it now in our present comedy community, it started in the belly room, and guys would, 
you know, have like a couple weeks to know that they were going to battle mm-hmm. one another and they would research each other. I've seen guys have a, the picture of the other person on their phone. Yeah, that's a common move. Yeah, yeah just to study phone. this person. And then, yeah, talk about dead relatives, talk about, I mean, everything is is a race, everything, man. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I had jokes about people's dead family members, yeah. people, you know, their wives having miscarriages. Yeah. All sorts of Jeez. stuff gets come up, right? Just King David and Bathsheba did. <laughs> <laughs> Solomon's older brother's dead, you know I'm saying? <laughs> stuff like that. It's heavy. But he can make it funny. I know it sounds crazy, but, yeah, it was funny. It's, it's the, the math. Like mm-hmm. there's a math to that rhythm, like you said, you're a writer at the at, at the beginning, right? And so. that was the thing that like I got into that. A friend of mine, um, Frank Castillo, yeah, you know Frank, he won Frank. the show. He won, yeah, that, he the won, same season, he won that season? same season. Yeah, yeah. I had to battle him, so we were the fun, we were finalists together, and I had to battle him in the first round of the tournament. Yeah, and it was uh, just it was a close battle. He wound up winning, but then he wound up winning the whole tournament. So right. I can't be too can't be too mad. Oh yeah, that, right. That's yeah. my friend. Come he on, got man. it. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, you want to say that, Dan? No, it's like, <laughs> I hate that guy. I uh, <laughs> but I had like no idea that I could do jokes like that, what? right? When I started doing it, Frank, I was working at this club Flappers at the time before I yeah. worked at the door of the comedy well, that's store. right. You used to wear the suit and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wear either I remember a s- that. Suspenders or a fedora. You right. had to pick one. Oh, man. Um, I remember that, Jay Light. But I remember Frank would come around, uh, and he was like, hey, there's this open mic that happens on Tuesdays now, and there's this, like, roast thing that happens in the middle of it. You should come check it out. Right. And I was like, okay. And I went and started hanging out, and I was hanging out there for, like, six months, and then... I started doing the battles, and I was, I was the first battle I did. I was good at it, and yeah. and it's hard to be good at it because you have to be able to write jokes that are funny and mean. You right. can't just be too mean focused. Right, that's a mistake a lot of people make with the roast battles. They write jokes that are not actually jokes. They're just saying a mean thing. Right, right, right. And you have to figure out how to be as funny as you are mean. And I could do that, and I, I didn't know that I had that in me. Yeah. And so once I started doing that, I really, like, I, I, it was a great exercise. It was great math to figure out, like, this is the formula to do a good roast joke that is funny and mean and is not going, like, too far over a line in the context of the show. Yeah. But it was something for me, like, creatively, I was like, oh, I, could, I guess I can do this. Yeah. I didn't think about myself as like a mean person before. And I actually had like, there was one time um, I I was sort of dating this girl. We were doing like, we weren't like, we weren't very far in. We like met at a wedding. Oh, no. We were doing this sort of like long distance, like flirting situation uh-huh. thing. And then she saw me do a roast battle. Oh, I thought you were going to battle her. No, <laughs> no, 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 not a comic. Not a comic. But she saw me do a roast battle, yeah. and it was the one where I battled this guy, my friend Doug Fager, who I referenced his dead brother. Wow, okay, and okay. she was like, I can't believe you would say something like that. <laughs> and she was and she, to the point where she was worried, like, what if we had a fight and you were that mean to me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I got to separate it. It's not going to be you like that. Fighting. Fight happens and Jay pulls out his notebook. <laughs> and he's all of a sudden like, "All right, I've got all this. I've got all this stuff I've been waiting to say about you and your and your entire oh, family." Man. I understand I haven't been doing the dishes, but why do you look like a this <laughs> <laughs> mixed with this, but gay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but like I, you know, that was like a moment of before I before I got sober, before right. I started to like 
have a relationship so with still a in god the again. This oh. is still in the midst of all that. So I'm like, who am I? Mm. Like, am I this person? Can I accept who I am? Right. And through 12-step work and recovery, I was able to accept yeah, that's just a that's just a side of me. That's a facet of who yeah. I am. And no, you're okay. great at it. You're great at it, dude. And I mean, yeah, it is a as as much as I love. I've been doing comedy a long time. I can't get that rhythm. It's a very specific rhythm with the roast battle mm-hmm. because it's very joke heavy. Now I saw you beat a guy who shout out to this dude, man. It's on national television, so I'm not pulling out no like tea or nothing like that. You can go look it up. Oh, but the Carlos Miller. Carlos, Carlos Miller is Miller. selling out theaters and arenas. In fact, he's got a special coming out on his network right now. But Jay Light stepped up, and I'm talking about on some David and Goliath stuff. I'm like, oh, Jay's about to get. Carlos is a I feared roast comedian. Like when he, they told me I was going to have to roast Carlos, I was worried. It was literally like David and Goliath, because I don't think, I'm sorry, I don't think uh, Carlos even knew who he was battling against. And that gave you definitely the fact that you understood the show, the preparation for it, mm-hmm. and how to do that specific show. I think that uh, like urban comedy roasting is more like, I look at you, what you have on, mm-hmm. and it's very much a, an improv- improvisational uh, thing. Yeah, like, it's, it's like just the like dozen. Ri- the dozen, yeah. Exactly. It's from that like street you know, uh, type of vibe, but this show is very much, you get three jokes or whatever in a round mm-hmm. and it's like that. And you did your thing, man. You, you whooped on a giant. I mean, who, let me ask you this. This is hypothetical, but who in the Bible would you, uh, fear roasting the most? Oh, who in the Bible? Cause you know, Jesus will know your, you know, your business. Remember the lady at the well, yeah. you all her business. But I don't know if he would be mean enough to say it like that. But he was pretty funny, uh, even for for, for Jesus' time. He he cracked some jokes. Um, but then the Lucifer is probably pretty mean. But he he's a liar. But he'll get. I mean, but a that's lot the of, thing. I feel like Lucifer is like charismatic. Like any yeah. demon you're gonna go up against, they're gonna be charismatic and they're uh, going to find a way to win the crowd over. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the more the the exercises to get the crowd on your side and to exactly. create exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, you know who got a good one in the Bible? Who? King David, when he he talked about Goliath's penis right before he killed him. <laughs> yeah, he said, "Who is this, this uncircumcised Philistine <laughs> that defies the armies of the Lord?" And then Goliath he talked about my penis in front of King Saul. I mean, that's a good way to get somebody <laughs> yeah, he, off base. He was way off. He wasn't ready to fight Doing after that. Doing some biblical dick jokes. Why <laughs> yes, not? That's what he did. <laughs> talking about his uncircumcised, but yeah, he was. But no, there's there's plenty. I mean, make Goliath so uncircumcised. <laughs> he doesn't have a foreskin. He's got a five skin. Yeah, <laughs> see, oh, he would he would have got so mad. <laughs> he would have messed day up. Kane would probably just get real mad and kill you. I don't He's know. So creepy, even his dick's wearing a hood. Right. Oh. <laughs> I feel like anybody who's got away with words, too, I would be worried about. Like, I think Paul would probably be someone who understands how to do a good roast. He was smooth. He's smooth. smooth. Uh, Solomon, I think, is a great... King Solomon, mm-hmm. other kings would seek him out for wisdom about how to run the kingdom. And the Queen of Sheba came in and gave him gifts just to learn. So exactly. he clearly knows how to, yeah. Keep it. Moses, even he had a stutter, though. But Drew, Drew uses his stutter pretty good. Mm-hmm. Drew, Drew Lynch. Uh, but Moses, uh, <laughs> I love how Channing and Danny Jollis fought me on that, even though that's kind of rabbis have said over time that when he said he's heavy mouthed and heavy of tongue, Moses, uh. that that means he had a stutter. 
And and you guys just said, mm. nah, we disagree with the rabbis. <laughs> that's just that's just something they've been saying for centuries or whatever. But I don't know. But if you know how to use a stutter really good, the timing of that. Yeah, you can use it as a as an extra little piece of uh, yeah. piece of your persona and your performance. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Like there's one of my favorite roasts I've ever seen. Um in I was in the UK, I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. And there's this guy, um, he his stage name is Lost Voice Guy, and he I think won Britain's Got Talent or was second place in Britain's Got Talent, and he did a roast at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival where he doesn't he can't speak he has a really really advanced cerebral palsy so he can't speak but he has a text to speech thing on his oh, phone oh. and he did an entire roast battle all based on that. Wow. And it was incredible. It leveled the room just because all of his, because his mind is, it's his brain is quick and he can just get it all out on his, on his, on his app. And and he gets the roast. Did he have that retort part? Cause there's a quick second where you have like an ability to, he could do that too. He could do that. (laughs) It was beautiful to watch. Wow. It was the, great. The voiceless comic? What's his name again? The Lost Voice Guy. guy. The Lost Voice Guy. Yeah. Wow, dude. Mm-hmm. God can take your maladies and turn it into your strengths. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Now we preaching. <laughs> Give me that. Ah, oh, man. What's wrong with you, Channing? Oh, there we go. Come on. Lost voice guy, I'm preaching sorry. all by myself over here, there man. He is. <laughs> there he yes, is. Yes, there's our guy. Oh, wow. Dang. Okay, that's dope, man. Mm-hmm. Lee Ridley. Good for him, man. He's using something that's that the devil made for harm to your advantage, man. So let me ask you this. You're part of two warring comedic theologies, right? Improv huh. and 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 comedy. Oh, yeah. stand-up comedy. And I'm stand sorry. Up, yeah. And, and and the Bible says, man cannot serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other. You know what Jesus said about yeah. mammon and God. You can't serve two masters. If forced. Which would you choose forsaking the other? You have to emotionally, forsaking is when you emotionally leave something. You, you Like God forsook Jesus when he put sin on him. But anyway, uh, yeah. If I'm going to forsake one, I mean, I got to stand up is the heart and soul for me. That's so the one I'm saying. Impro- but you teach improv, don't you? You don't you a teacher at the improv? Uh, no, but I'm on a house team, and I've been. And that's the only place I've ever actually liked doing improv. Right, right. Pack theater, shout out. It's a great, great, it's a great theater. theater. It's a great place. Yeah. But I, for me, stand up is the thing. It's the engine that drives all of the rest of my creative output. Mm. Right. Like I am very fortunate. I've worked in uh television as a performer and as a writer i have been doing improv for a number of years i started dabbling in clown stuff earlier uh at the very end of last Ooh, that's year weird stuff man but it, it's very weird but it's yeah. like it all it's all stuff Chad that, Damiani like, and those guys yeah it, it's fe- i'm doing idiot workshop stuff right now right. which is great but it, and it's like it's nice it all feeds to me like the grand scheme of like, oh, this is who I am as a comedian and entertainer. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, stand up is the thing. Yeah, that's the thing I started doing. That's the thing I care the most about doing. And that's the thing that if I had to leave behind anything else yeah. and and cast them out, right. those are the things I'm casting out. Shannon's kind of in that. Well, you you forsaken sketch and improv at this point in your career, huh? You just all stand up and podcasting. 
I think sketch and improv actually had forsaken me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I did. Sorry. Uh, I did the Groundlings program. So yeah. That, uh, oh, I fa- I failed Groundlings. Yeah, it comes. I to failed what basic level? twice. Basic. Oh, oh snap. really? Yeah, that, I what? failed basic twice, and I was like, you know, and then I was like, I'm gonna try UCB at, and then I went to UCB. I'd taken a class in uh, Dallas, an improv class that mm. I was. It was a one-on-one class at this place called Four Day Weekend. And then I went to UCB 101 and I was like, this is the exact same stuff. I feel like I'm not actually learning anything Mm -hmm. new. So I was like, all right, well, improv's not for me, I guess. Mm. And and then I wound up being at the pack and I was like, oh, this is different. I like this. What's different about it? The pack, I felt like the approach was not about teaching you, hey, this is what improv is. This is how you do a herald. This is what yes anding is. It's more about let's look at you as a performer and a person and how can you use your talents to work within the context of an improv show or an improv Mm. scene. So they focus very heavily on like the individual and what you are good at and what you can bring to the table comedically as opposed to trying to be like, we're going to shoehorn you into our mold. Right, 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 right. They're going to say, listen, you, you're good enough on your own. So let's just figure out where you fit Mm. and what makes you even better at what you already have naturally uh, a talent or a gift. Mm. So as opposed to like the groundlings who are a theater company looking for their own specific brand. They want character person. and emotion. Exactly. The pack is trying to churn out performers. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, cool. And yeah, and it's not like you can only be this. It's back. We'll create a t- You'll help you create a team yeah. and you can showcase mm-hmm. yourselves as opposed to you have to be one of us or you're nothing. Right. Uh, not to diss. Shout out to, you know, there's great performers that come out. Of <laughs> but that's just, I mean, hey, yeah. listen, every theater, every, every comedy club, they have a different kind of thing, right? right. Like, I think the comedy store is another great example of that, right? Like, I... Anybody who goes to the comedy store, you you brought it up. Great, it's it's a place that has sort of a heaviness to it. Right, the building is a gigantic black building. Right, all the lighting is red on the inside. The history of suicide, my man jumping yeah. out the uh, uh, hotel mm-hmm. next door, a literal bullet hole in the wall. Yeah, right. stuff like from that. Sam. There's there's it's, people talk about it being haunted, and mm-hmm. it used to have all this mob uh, uh, ties, right? And but because it was the Cicero and, Club before, uh, it was yeah, there. Ciro's, yeah, Ciro's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Mickey Cohen used to hang out there, and they have tunnels under the building for where they were running alcohol during Prohibition and oh stuff, right? Oh no yeah. shit, yeah. So they have this, it's got this really dark, sordid history. Right. And then I think stand-up is kind of a dark, sordid art form, too. Mm. So it just has this whole, like, it's got sort of a dark power to it. For sure. And people get drawn to it. I was certainly yeah. drawn to it. I was like, oh, you this place. You could feel it when you walked in there. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it like is, it. it's yeah. cool. I was like, oh, this is cool. I would like to be a part of this. But it's not the that's not the same way at every other comedy club. Right, right, right. Uh, and I think because of that, like comedy store comics, and in particular people who like go through working as a door guy there, you develop this sensibility that's a little different than say if you're working at like the improv or you're working at the Laugh Factory right. or any you know improv theater. Just yeah. because like you have this sort of like ethereal, yeah. supernatural weight kind of inadvertently on you. But I think like you were saying earlier, the completion of the comedian is from feeling comfortable in these different areas, these different mm-hmm. ar- uh, audiences. That's kind of the goal of this this show, this idea. That's why I love people of different, as long as you're a comedian, right? That's the only thing uh, as far as getting on this this 
show, but it, the critical thinking of comedians opening up the Bible, right, and realizing the connections rather than focusing on the divisive exactly. nature of, like, wow, these are all, at least the three major monotheistic religions are all Abrahamic religions, mm -hmm. right? And what do they say about one another? Right. What ideas, even from deism, for, flow into the creation and what Moses was describing in Genesis? It's like the connectivity. Once you break through the other side, I feel like you're like, oh, it's this revelation knowledge. You can't explain it mm -hmm. like a spark, right? Yeah. And it, it all encompasses to you. So my improv training, my stand-up experiences have all fed into, I'm like, not that I'm complete by any means. And that's the other thing, too. With a spirituality journey, with the comedic journey, it's never finished. It's you're never, never finished. perfect. And you're always, you know, you're, you're better today than you were yesterday even though you bombed today exactly. even if you killed yesterday yeah you're still better because you're because you've seeking. gone through you're learning you're trying yeah. progress not perfection that's a right. classic a 12-step aa room uh, statement yeah we see progress not perfection right and that's mm. that's what comedy's all about man mm -hmm. yeah. seeking but uh, as well as the i mean you should you should want to seek i think i see people in comedy too, like and in religion, they settle on this idea, and you're stupid, and I'm not. Yeah, and you're in a cult, and I'm not. Well, that was <laughs> that was one of the things too that like I really was when I was when I was still involved in organized religion and Christianity for a while. That was one of the things that to me turned me away mm. from the kind of of spirituality that I was seeing at the time because it felt like there was this level of stagnation mm. and like not necessarily nobody was really trying to grow mm -hmm. everybody was just kind of resting on their laurels or like nobody was really answering tough questions in a way that felt like they were trying to really ad like address anything on a deeper level it's everything just felt very surface we're not gonna right. we're not gonna dive down deep right um and now, you know, like, I think that there is, as I reflect on it, there is certainly some of my own, like, questioning going on at the time that was coloring the way I looked at it. Right. Um, but I still feel like that's a thing that, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, what you would consider just sort of like a modern, like, if you had to picture a Christian person, mm -hmm. I... I have a feeling most people are not going to picture somebody who's kind of like open and seeking and trying to grow. Right. You're going to picture somebody who's like sort of set in their ways, right. who sort of has this like slate of values that are based in uh, like Old Testament thinking, not right. even New Testament thinking. Right. Right. And and be thinking about the world in these sort of like black and white terms. Legalism. Right. And not thinking like, okay, well, maybe there's a lot more gray area that we haven't considered. Right. Like I, when I started working through twelve step stuff again, and I've been rediscovering my own relationship with a uh, with God. That was like one of the things that I had to work past was like stuff is not black and white. Right. And I found myself back in this frame of mind where I was like, everything's black and white. Like this is the way it is, and if it's not this way, then there's no other way. Right. And then I had to be like, oh, there's a lot of mystery here. Right. There's a lot of mystery in life. There's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff that I don't have control over. Right. I, and I have to be not only in acceptance of that, but I also have to try and not do something to like rest control in a situation that I don't have any 
business trying to have control well, that's, over. That's what the ego and the mind wants. Yeah. It, it, it makes things more simple, and it's a lot more simple if I can make uh, people a stereotype, then I don't have to learn people. I don't have mm-hmm. to actually, if I can make this, those, you know, just turn things into, the mind wants structure, wants order, yeah. and the Bible, and, and even God in, in, in his word, like, uh, uh, likes paradox because it breaks the mind, right? Certain mm-hmm. things, even in other religions and other practices, speaking in tongues breaks the mind. You can't do that from the from their mental. And it's it's a good thing to relax your mind sometimes to stop thinking to realize that thoughts are not you, right? Yeah, thoughts are just thoughts, and you can control them. You can allow them to pass by you. Mm-hmm. Not every thought that you have is you. There could be a thought of jealousy that you don't have to ride on, right? Yeah, there could be a thought of of hatred or of 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 angst and the less reactive you are mm-hmm. to some of your thoughts, the more complete you are as a person. In my opinion, the more um, you can exist in the pause right. and not in the reaction. Right. That I think is a real like sign of having a solid foundation that you, right. that you've built your life upon right. is being able to look at how you react to things mm-hmm. and what your instinct is and also to not necessarily follow that instinct right. to really have the the strength within yourself to like know that maybe your first gut reaction is not always the right move right. that you can go to people you can take it to to trusted friends confidants mentors you can take it to god you can pray on it you can meditate and then you'll be able to find whatever the answer is one of my one of my sponsors in one of my programs says uh, sometimes this is a hard thing for me to, to come to grips with, but like it, sometimes the answer, if you ask God for what an answer is, sometimes the answer is just going to be, there's no answer. Right. And you just have Silence. to live with that. Right. And that really messes with my head because I want there to be an answer. Right. Cause I, cause it's like you were saying, I want order. I right. want something concrete, Yeah. but I have to be okay with the fact that life is not, always going to have a concrete answer yeah. and that God is not always going to have Bam. a concrete answer. <laughs> no, that's absolutely dude. Those are some of my favorite parts of the Bible where even in, uh, when the Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and a bad Negro, right? no, it's a, he's a Bendigo. I'll Black people say a bad Negro. Or Radshack uh, and Benny for anyone who watches Veggie Tales. Right. But when they stepped up to Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we know that our God can deliver us from you, but even if he doesn't, he will deliver us from you. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if there's no losing here, right, we step up to you in righteousness, knowing that we, you know, we're not going to bow to your, to your idols. We're not going to, we have our own uh, beliefs that we've come here with. They've helped us be successful up to this point. They're trying to set a trap for them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you, you know the story of those who don't look in the book of Daniel and you'll find uh, the time, at the time when the Babylonians were occupying Israel. And uh, this is the story of the, of the, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. But anyway, they, yeah, they said it's enough to, for us to know that he can. Right. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that there's a God that can do whatever they want. Right. Can do whatever, whatever God wants to do. The will will be done and you submit to it or you don't. Right. Yeah. And you'll find a lot more peace in this mission and a lot more strength because you'll be like, wait a minute. I'm, I have a mission, whatever it is. Right. Service. I mean, it's always service. Yeah. That's that's always your mission. You're exactly. serving people. If you think you're here to get rich, you'll always be empty. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, first of all, God would never put you here just 
for you to get rich. You might, as a byproduct, get rich doing whatever the service is that you do, but the service comes first. Yeah. Phil Knight was all about shoes. He, he loves shoes. He could talk shoes all day. Any comedian you see at the top levels, they can talk comedy all, all day, day and night. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle is addicted to comedy, right? Yeah. Like he just goes out. He doesn't. I don't even know if he collects his comedy store checks or wherever these guys when they pop up. I don't know. They, I I'm, know that like Joe Rogan didn't collect his comedy store checks for yeah. years. I don't know if he, he might still have a whole file folder full of them back at uh, back at the in store Austin? in the office. Right. Oh, in the office. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. But it's not about that. Right. It's just like I'm. Uh, this is the thing. This is the process, and we've the byproduct might be success. But we just put in, dude, I'm so happy how this show is growing. Like, I'm glad that it's not getting a lot of attention. Like, one or two people who get it will follow. Today, we got, like, a troll today, like, on the uh, Shang or on the, the David Smalley one. But he just wants to say, you know, all, he hates all religion, and that's his thing. But the, if you shoot up in this, in this religious stuff, because I follow a lot of this stuff, and I see the comments and how hateful. Like, that's normally what's in this realm is people arguing. Of course. Apologist, that type of stuff. But, I mean, what's the most heated argument you've gotten into over theology? Can you remember that? Can you recall? Oh, man. I mean, I have not gotten into a lot of heated arguments outside of, like, family. Uh, That's the thing that, like, it really comes down to family for me. And I will, like, I have... All of my family outside of maybe my sister, and frankly, I'm not a hundred. I'm not totally sure where my sister stands theologically or religiously. Um, I would imagine we're sort of in a similar boat, uh, not, but just from like, a, oh, we grew up religious. We're not necessarily religious anymore. But your sister's more in the Christian, uh, yeah, realm. But my whole, the whole rest of my family is all very like. They still go to church regularly or they are still tapped into some sort of a religious group regularly. Um, And I've had arguments when I was still in my like, I don't know what I am. I feel like I'm I don't I, I don't believe in a God phase that, you know, whatever agnostic atheist kind of phase where I was like I did get in uh, not an argument necessarily but I had a, like a heated discussion with a cousin of mine who was of who's very religious. Right. And I was like, this is, I was like, it feels stupid to be religious. <laughs> and I was, and then, and just like totally out of pocket for me to say that. Right, now right, I recognize right. that now right. because I was also like, I had no idea what I actually really believed or not. Right. right, right? right. I was just try, I was just lashing out to lash out. Yeah. Just because I was like, I don't, I think there's some level where I was like, I didn't like how secure she was in mm. her faith right, right, right. that I was like, well, how can, how can you have the answer when I don't have the answer? Cause mm. then it takes it back. There's this thing I, I try and pray every day. There's a couple of prayers from the program that I do love to say every day. If I can, one of them is a third step prayer. There's a line in there that says, um, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Mm. Right. Mm. And it's moments like that. Come on. Or I think back and I'm like, that's the bondage of self. The bondage yeah. of self is me thinking I know better than you right. what you should, what, how your life should be. Right. Right. Like, it's not for me to try and change someone's mind. Right. I don't even think, like, in comedy, my goal, 
I thought for a while I was like, I gotta, I gotta like get people to believe what I'm saying and get them to be on board with me. That's not what comedy's about. Right. Comedy's about trying to entertain. Right. Comedy, you should be, I think, expressing your opinions and having opinions on things and feel comfortable saying your opinions on things on stage. But if your goal for me, like if I'm trying to change your mind, then I'm totally missing the point right, because right, right. that is a very selfish self-seeking thing that's yeah. the bondage of self is you like be bending to the will of comedy itself like exactly. the comedy is what is what we came here for right and if the thing that i'm talking about can bend to that will mm -hmm. to that aim dude i love that man i love it. i i had one in fact i want you to get this to get that sound bite ready and i'm about to give a word but <laughs> i kind of forgot a little bit but as you were saying the last thing you were talking about um uh, just so I oh yeah so like correction like knowing that that's the only way I know when God is look, like talking to me like mm. so sometimes other voices can get in and other thoughts and you're not quite sure is that God is that just my will is that my ego talking mm -hmm. what is that I know it's God when it's about me when it's when it hurts to hear it yeah. when it's chastening who the Lord loveth the Lord chasteneth and if it's about God don't gossip if anybody thinks that God is out here telling you what if I if he's telling me what Jay needs to do or what Channing needs to do that's not God. Okay. Yeah. God is telling you what you. He's gonna handle Channing himself. He's mm -hmm. gonna handle Jay himself. He's telling you what you need to do to better handle your situations. And I really feel like you are being stingy with that. Ah, oh, damn, Channing. Uh, damn, Channing. Are you I, kidding me? I didn't know me? if you were done or not. Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> you are. Whoa, I didn't know whoa. if you were done. I thought it was. Gonna hey, be listen. Going. God was letting Channing listen to your words. <laughs> And didn't you heavy handed today, man? <laughs> you heavy with that hand over there, turning that knob, man. No, but yeah, I feel you, Jay. That's absolutely true. As far as my experience with God, definitely knowing that, and in comedy, knowing that it's not the crowd. It's easy to blame the crowd. It's easy to oh, blame yeah. the situation. And there's tons. Of, oh, I thought you were gonna do it. There's tons of. <laughs> I saw you moving your hand. Uh, there's tons of ways to 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 feign your responsibility to your mm -hmm. craft, but at the end of the day, you'll get better if you bend to the will of comedy. I find. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. I find that the the you know I've I've been sober like I said almost eight years, and I've really developed what I feel is a pretty healthy relationship with God for me at in that amount of time, right? right? And I find that the longer I do it and the more I keep trying to actually seek spiritually and work a program that allows me to stay in uh, in having that conscious contact or it's prayer, meditation, being of service, talking to other um, uh, people in the various programs that I'm in, um, I find that, like, the more I come from a place of openness and not defensiveness... Yeah. And that especially applies on stage. Right. Then I am much more in line with following the 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 good orderly direction that I find my God is trying to pull me towards. Right. Because if I'm being defensive, then that means that I am putting up that wall, I'm putting up that shield, and I'm trying to say, Nope, that's not that's not how we're going today. That's not the direction we're going in. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's their show. They pay for it. So, mm -hmm. you know, hey, man, sometimes that's what it is. You come in with a plan. This is going to be my show, and I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. it don't work that way. Somebody's drunk, and he wants to holler, or somebody's going right. to drop a plate, or they're going to do something to distract you, and yeah. you handle it. But I find even the simplicity of, like, sometimes I, I, I noticed recently I was doing this show um, 
in Bakersfield. You performed in Bakersfield Whoa. before? Ah. Oh yeah, the well. Oh yeah, the well. Great club. Great amazing club. Amazing club. Um I did this joke uh that I open with sometimes that in a room that's a little bit more red than blue like Bakersfield is, um they might not react uh in in the way that you would expect them to react in Los Angeles, right? Mm. So it's a but I the, I did this joke and it didn't not do well, but it was a little bit of a softer reaction than you would expect other places, right? And previously, before I had any sort of like I think a real solid relationship with a god and a higher power, I would not have reacted from anywhere other than like attacking them and been like, and like calling you guys them are stupid. stupid. Yes. <laughs> but then because I'm not coming from a place of defensiveness, I can just comment on what's happening as opposed to attacking. Right. right. And opposed to being and casting stones and casting yeah. blame and just be like, oh, that was, you guys didn't buy that joke. Uh, right. That's and it. that's fine. And that's funny. And then yeah. I go back and I, li- you know, like I listen to that set later and. I was to- the they reacted totally fine. Like it wasn't a it wasn't something where it was like, all right, well, I can't use this as a tape. Like it still got a big laugh, but I was just sitting there perceiving like, oh, well, they hated this joke, and I'm glad that I didn't call them out and be like, I, you guys hated this. How dare you, you idiots? Because then it would have totally derailed what it was ultimately a really really great. Right. comedy set that yeah. I can use as a submission tape for things Absolutely. now. And you didn't compromise your thought process. You didn't compromise who you were. You said you didn't like that. And that's okay to, to you didn't say I'm stupid for thinking that. Oh, that's not what I believe. I don't know what the joke was specifically, but it sounds like it made them think a little more than, you know, and sometimes that barrier creates, like, it loses a little rhythm maybe mm-hmm. than what you had on the other jokes. Like even like we, we always talk about doing shows in churches and there's a little, a hard rhythm to create because they're constantly in corporate gigs and any gig where they know everybody, family gigs, yeah. where there's thought process heavily before they are able to receive the punchline fully. Yeah. Right? As opposed to at a club where they just go, <laughs> and they learn, listen, laugh, listen, they go mm-hmm. listen, oh, is that cool? Laugh, no. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that creates a barrier. But, dude, I want to get to this before we get it because I got I to gotta defend my Bible belt. I kept it from Danny Jollis or Ooh. I took it back from Danny Jollis last week. So I can't wait to defend it against Jay Light right Let's here. See. But I did want to ask you before we get into that, man, real quick. Um, we, we all know Paul's writing these letters to Philippi from prison. Have you been to prison, man? No. Oh, I've never, what's the most trouble you've been in? The most trouble I've been in, I mean, this was... Uh, I've been in trouble with the law before. I got citation. uh, I've gotten, uh, I got pulled over a number of times. There was one time in uh, just, it was like right after my freshman year of college. um, I was in a, uh, I was in a car. I was hanging out with some friends of mine. We had just gone to see a movie and we were like, let's go uh, smoke weed. Off off the side of the road, so we like buy this movie theater. I grew up in in Texas, in between Dallas and Fort Worth. We like find this place off the highway. It's like a side road, and we're all about. We had this bowl loaded, and we were about to smoke, and then two cops shine their lights in on the opposite sides of the car, and everyone's like, "Put your hands where we can see them." So this is Texas, right? So the laws are very like they're very strict about any kind of drug laws, and they pull. It was three of us. It was me and and two friends of mine. Pulled us all out of the car, took us off separately for questioning. Ultimately, we didn't wind up getting anything beyond a paraphernalia charge. 
they just confiscated the weed and just took the pipe and they're like, this is a paraphernalia charge. And I was so worried because I was like, this was the first time I'd ever gotten any kind of like big ticket. Like I had gotten like a driving, like I'd driven past a school bus one time that was putting its stop sign out and they tried to really like throw the book at me for that. um, Did you go Judas on the homies? Did you snitch? Did you say that's his pipe? (laughs) I mean, we, uh, we, I was like, listen, we were all, we were all in there together. We were all smoking it. Uh, you stood tall. I stood, t- and they hey. and we all chipped in to pay for uh, because it was it was a friend of mine's car, so they were like, "We're gonna give you the ticket." So we all chipped in and paid for her. We paid for it together. Ten toes down, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay when Light. they give you that ticket, it goes to one person, right? Yeah, one person has to. Take oh, who took? Who ate it? You? No, the no, driver. The my friend oh. Allison. I remember how that shit worked. Yeah, yeah. Wow. somebody has to be the fall guy. Exactly. Wow. And so, and that was the thing. I was the, like, you know, coming up from this is just after. I had learned that there's no such thing as a permanent record. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, they're not going to tell my parents about this? Oh, great. But okay, just Allison's cool. parents got told? Just her parents got wow, No, Allison. they didn't even tell her parents because oh. we were all of age. We were all 18. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But they was still, I was still like, oh, they're going to contact us. Uh, uh, they're going to get in touch with us, and we're all going to get in trouble. And then I was like, oh, no, nobody cares. <laughs> like, the only reason I think my parents would know about this now is if they listen to this podcast. Uh, and they're like, they oh, Jay, got, Jay almost got... He got, he could have been in big That's trouble. Funny. Man, shout out to Allison, man. Dying for your sins, Shout man. out to Allison. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Taking the bullet for everybody. Yeah, for our atonement. Yes. She went to a, a private Christian school, so That's I think maybe she, she got a little bit of that. It's that principle, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Lay down your life for your friends. But who's going to take the fall right now for this Bible belt? Let's Come on, Chad. Let's go. <gasps> oh, here we go. I'm going to go David and Goliath again. <laughs> just like I did against you, Carlos, Carlos Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, believers and non-believers alike, your host, Sean Grant, is coming off of a victory against Danny Jollis after facing three, count them, three back-to-back-to-back losses. Currently holding the belt. Today, he's taking on the challenger. The Apostle of Improv, the Cane of Comedy, the Legion of Light, the one, the only, <laughs> Challenger, Jay Light. Yeah, the Legion of Light. Jay. That's really good. I am Lucifer. I am the light bringer. Right. Yeah. I forgot this one of his nicknames. Dang. <laughs> I was thinking Jesus when I I just improvised that. That, that was, was good. Great. The Legion, Legion's a demon that was like That's that Groundlings demons. education coming there through. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I did have to jump. That's somebody who up. didn't fail basic twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's writing lab coming in. <laughs> Come on, baby. So, Jay, you are representing the guests. That okay. means that you're, you're part of an entire pack of people that you're representing to take the belt back. Okay. In favor of the guests. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. So ready. Gentlemen, round one. What did Barnabas sell so he could give money to the apostles? A, gold. B, spices. C, land. Or D, silk. So uh, you'll answer first, Jay, because if we tie, I lose anyway. So I can't really ride your answers okay. to success. But uh, Oh, man. I'm trying to. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've read the Bible, so I'm just trying to go through Definitely the New Testament, obviously. Yeah, um, we're talking Barnabas. apostles. I'm Jesus already gone. I'm thinking, my guess, I'm going to go with spices. I'm going to go silk. I'm going to go D-silk. Jay is going B-spices. Sean is going D-silk. The correct answer is land. Neither of us. Land. Barnabas. Okay. So does land. land. I thought that was going to be a layup. Wow. Is this Mm -hmm. on beginner? This was on novice. 
Uh-oh. Dang. Uh-oh. That's really long. Well, you consider yourself an expert. That's what I'm so saying. Really, I'm ashamed. I mean, I feel fine then. I'm a novice for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no clue what most of these questions are even pertaining to. I always say one thing All I know about it just to let the audience know. I know something. Yeah. The only but, thing yeah. I knew was Akeldama last uh, week. Oh, yeah, dude. That was really hard. Yeah, just because I listened to death metal. Right. Question two. At what gate of the temple did oh, Peter heal the lame man? A, yes, second. B, eastern. C, golden. Or D, uh, I know this one, but Jay probably knows it too. I'd see, I mean, the one that's coming to mind for me is the Eastern Gate. B. Oh, it's D, beautiful. Correct answer. At the is gate called beautiful. The yeah! gate called beautiful. Yeah, I love gate that name. Called beautiful. There was a guy was blind and he asked for money. He'd been there every day. His friends just dropped him off at this gate and he was like, okay, I get money. He's like, I can give you something better. And I uh, gave him his sight. And that dude, wow. Yeah. Here we go. Question three. Where was Paul forbidden to preach? Ooh. A, Jerusalem, B, Egypt, C, <sighs> Asia, or D, Rome. Jay, you got to get this one correct in order to tie. Okay. If you tie, I lose, but... But if you both get it correct, I mean, I, I know there's a couple places here that, that Christians had fraught relationships with. Well, I know they had a church in Jerusalem for sure, so it wasn't right. there. I'm so. thinking Rome. I'm going Rome. I'm going to go, I guess, Egypt, because I don't think he wrote to any churches in Egypt. But I know there was some in Asia Minor and some in Rome that he wrote to. Okay. So, Jay, you're going with Rome? Correct. Sean, you're going with Egypt. Egypt. The correct answer is Asia. Oh, oh we both got it wrong. Wow. Wait. You get to keep the belt. Yeah. Damn. And still. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? If you guys had had big book from Alcoholics Anonymous questions, I would have <laughs> sailed through this one. Oh man, Jay pulled some from the UCB Comedy Bible. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, dude, is it called a Bible? Really? I don't think so. Oh, or, but there is the Comedy Bible by Judy Carter. Judy which Carter. We could also. shout out to Judy Carter. Wouldn't have started comedy without Judy Carter. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, man, she's hey man, she's my Moses in comedy, man. So, so shout out to Judy Carter. But shout out to you, Jay. Thank you for joining, man. Thank you for bringing such insight to the show. Thank you for having through the me. Book of Philippians, man. Where can people find you? Where can people continue to follow you on your journey to to God through comedy and, and everything else you got going on? You can follow me on. At Diet J on all the social networks, and I also have a show um, that's called Wrong. It's wrong a answer. game show. Yeah. Oh, wrong! Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, just wrong. You can follow yes. that at Wrong Game Show. It's also available as a podcast. If you yeah. like game shows and you got a little bit of a darker sense of humor, then this is a show for you. Hey. It's a game show where uh, you don't win by being right; you win by being wrong. Nice. So check it out. Yeah, wow. and it's live at the comedy. St- I'm sorry, at the Improv. Uh, we I do it. So we do it twice a month. We do uh, uh, Alamo Draft House oh. once a month, um, and we do this other place called the Roguelike Tavern in Burbank. But we oh. got we're we're all over the place. We were just nice. doing the shows in Austin. We got shows in San Diego, New York. That's so um, cool. We we should be back at the comedy store in the next couple months doing a show there again. So yeah. at Wrong Game Show is where you can see all of the information for that. Dude, that's so sick. And guys, please follow us on Instagram at Comedian Bible Study. That's pretty much our headquarters there. You can follow the producer of the show, the at the other Channing. Yes, sir. On Instagram and all the other stuff. And I at my at. I am Sean Grant on pretty much everything. But, guys, thank you for tuning into the show. Please follow us, like, subscribe, share, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. Peace be with you. Peace. (laughs) Thank you, bro.